0: Log Talk Radio.
1: You are about to enter a world of music and magic, so stay tuned. This is Music Friday Live, and I'm Patrick O'Heffernan, your host. Los Angeles, California, Music Capital of America. Music Friday Live is brought to you by Solar City, your source for clean, sustainable energy. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan, and today we're going to talk with Aedie and play cuts from her new album, Do You Believe in Magic? And we're also going to visit with the duo that is revolutionizing ideas about music, Gracie and Rachel. Now, you can be part of this. You can call in. You can talk to our guests at 347 Five seventy five eleven. That's three four seven two one five seventy five eleven. Or you can email us. You can email us at live at gmail.com. And I understand my producer's waving at me over there that in addition to our headliner guest today, we have a surprise visit. We have a visit from Mark Haverland, who you may know as Mark Tiger. Hi, Mark. Hey, hey Patrick, how you doing? Well, thanks for calling Ann. I'm doing great. You know, it's Friday. We're on the radio, and it's sunny outside. Uh, uh, even though we had a little rain here in Los Angeles, I understand. I was going to say were... it's
2: raining on me right now.
1: Where are you?
2: I'm in Burbank. I'm just sitting around.
1: I'll be darned. Okay, well, but <laughs> you know, I'm on the other side of the hill over here on the west side. So, in you know, down in Media Gulch, maybe it'll get down here, but. I understand that you're going to be opening uh, this Saturday night at the Room 5 Lounge. Is that right? Yes, I am. 9 p.m.
2: Should be a great show. Um, Just me and a pianist. Nice acoustic set.
1: What can we expect to hear?
2: Um, Well, it's all my original stuff, so nothing, uh, nothing anyone's heard before stripped-down version of some kind of folk-pop, rocky sort of tunes. I like to describe it as like if Stevie Nicks and Florence the Machine had a son together, and that would be my music. <laughs> <thing. laughs>
1: There's an interesting uh, 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 picture, but we'll let that go. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so you go on stage at, uh, at 9 p.m., uh, and you're... You're going to be at the Room 5 Lounge, and for my Los Angeles audience, the Room 5 Lounge is on La Brea. I think it's just past Beverly, and it's it's upstairs from the Amalfi Restaurant, which is one of L.A.'s great Italian restaurants, and a lot of people, they come in around 7.30 or so, and they have dinner downstairs. (laughs) They go upstairs. Um, You can even bring your your drinks upstairs with you. There are tables. It's a nice, intimate place. It's a really great place, and I think it's perfect for you, too.
2: Yeah, I think so too. It's a really nice setting. As you say, very, very intimate. Um, everyone there is super friendly and of uh, really talented artists that perform there. So I'm excited to put my name into the hat there too.
1: Well, I'm excited for you, and I'm also excited that you're going to premiere some new some new songs there. So let me just uh, remind everybody that's the Room 5 Lounge this Saturday in uh, in Los Angeles, California with Mark Haberlin. Mark, uh, thanks for calling in. we got to take a break now, but I really appreciate you uh, calling in and letting us know. All right. Thanks so much. We have to take a break now to welcome in our affiliates. And when we come back, AED. So don't go away. This is going to be so much fun. And we are back. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan of Music Friday Live. I also want to welcome all of our listeners to the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates. If you have questions or comments for our guest, you can call in. You can talk to them, 347-215-7511. Or, you know, you're sitting there at work and, you know, you know the drill. You got your headphones on. You're not really looking at that PowerPoint. You can email us musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, you can still email questions for our guests and we'll forward their questions on to them so they can reply directly to you. Or if you want us to, they can reply to us and that way you don't wind up on somebody's mailing list that you didn't want to be on. But you can email us if you're listening on a podcast. Well... I recently ran into our next guest at the Hollywood Music and Media Awards. That's the HMMAs. Her latest album, Do You Believe in Magic?, which is an alternative music rock opera adapted to a musical stage play now, had been nominated. And, she was dressed to the nines and she was sitting in a vip booth with other stars enjoying lunch and champagne while the various nominees and winners were read, and they got their awards and stuff well she did win but you know given all the other awards that she's collected for her whimsical and her wonderful music and stories it really didn't matter at least not to her fans it probably mattered to her um but um their fans of course include me And I know that um, uh, she is one of the nation's most extraordinary musical and dramatic artists writing and recording today. And besides, you know, she's got 35 other awards for songwriting and audiobooks and various other things, so... And this particular album has already won uh, five Children's Awards, so, you know, it it was a happy night. And what's even happier is that she is here today so we can talk to the woman herself. So let's have some fun and say welcome, Lisa, back to Music Friday Live.
3: Thank you, Patrick. That was really a lovely introduction. Uh, I feel very loved and supported right now, so I appreciate that. It's always fun to be (laughs) on
1: Well, you are loved and supported, and I only wish I could have said "and she won," but you know there'll be others. <laughs> <Right>?
3: <laughs> yeah, my now, spirit isn't crushed. It's okay. <laughs> I,
1: I can tell. Uh, now I've, I've listened to the entire two CD album, so I know the story. But you know our audience doesn't know the story, so perhaps before we 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 talk about it, we should uh, um, or. Pre- pre- before we play some some cuts from the album, why don't you give our audience a little overview of the story and explain to them about Wonder Haven?
3: Absolutely. So as a little bit of background for folks who may not be as familiar with my work, this is my third musical on audiobook, and I got inspired I do quirky folk pop, and I got inspired to start writing musicals and kind creating scripts and adding it to music that I had had originally. My first was Is Love a Fairy Tale. And then when I came on your show last time, we talked about what are dreams made of. And the third one in this series is Do You Believe in Magic? And all of these take place in a magical kingdom called Wonderhaven. And my protagonist is Aedie. She's a muse of song. And in this particular story, the kingdom of Wonderhaven is under a malicious curse and it rapidly losing magic. But Aedie, who has no use for magic, or at least she believes she has no use for magic, is plagued with a big secret, and is the only one, of course, who can save magic and the kingdom.
0: <laughs> so, in the story,
3: it's very, very much in that fantasy realm, but it also has some uh, bigger messages, especially for teens and tweens, and you know, folks that might be listening about belief in yourself. I think that's really what, what you know, when I came away with and when I was writing it, I really wanted to make that clear. And that is a message that also came through in the last musical that I had. It's really about, you know, believing in yourself and making your own magic.
1: And, of course, we, we all have some magic in us. as well. We're going to play... Uh, Magic in the Air. Now, this song comes a little later in the story, but I wanted folks to, to, to hear it because it shows the richness and how lush uh, what you do is.
0: Tonight, spell, star, chance, fire, magic in the air. Pocus, pocus.
1: I think that gives us um, a taste of the richness of Do You Believe in Magic? Now, how many characters are there in the story, and whose voices or sounds uh, are we hearing on the album?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Um, There are at least 10 to 15 uh, characters that you're hearing. The voices are a combination of Bay Area musical theater theatrical actors so they did the voiceovers as well as, as myself. I actually voiced um, the role of A80, doing the dialogue and the songs. So what was really neat is kind of casting and working with a whole team of theatrical actors, and that's a little different from the story that I used that I did the first time with What Are Dreams Made Of. So it it really added, I think, a more theatrical, you know, spin to the story, just using actors already who are used to performing in musical theater.
0: And I you imagine. know to
3: take that one step, yeah, to take that one step further, we actually had a staged reading, and I was really fortunate to involve the original cast in that staged reading, so we got to actually wow. adapt to the theater.
1: was that open to the public?
3: It was open to the public it was it was um kind of a small staged reading, but it was hosted by the dramatist Guild chapter, and I basically wanted to use that as an opportunity to see how this might translate to theater,
1: wow. Uh, We just got an email, and boy, uh, people are paying attention. Uh, This is from Selena45 in Austin, and Selena45 wants to know, when you record, do you have everybody in the studio for each cut, or do you do tracks in different places and times and then edit them together?
3: Oh, great question, Selena. Thank you. So in this whole entire process, as you may imagine, there's a combination of everything. So in, in the voiceovers, we actually were fortunate to go to a recording studio in Berkeley called Fantasy, really well-known, great folks there. And we did all of the voiceovers and dialogue for all the characters except for AED. And I did my own voiceovers and dialogue actually from home because I have a studio here. And my husband, Dave, was able to you know do all the vocal engineering. So we were able to do all of that. But on the music side, that happens all over. You know, whoever the musicians are that are part of the project, there might be many that are done in you know down in LA, uh, where my producer is, and he can work with them directly. But folks, you know, nowadays you can basically, as long as you have a recording studio or an opportunity, you know, to get your tracks, we can send files, you know, and then folks can just do a cello track or something like that. So that also happens.
1: So, so this was a. Fairly complex uh, process that was spread out over a number of cities.
3: Yes, it's pretty much the San Francisco, L.A., and then if folks were, you know, contributing, as like I say, kind of remotely, that happened too. And this, I conceived this project in December of 2013 and wow. ended up completing it in August of 2015. The, the You know, the process is long. It's an hour and 47-minute full-length musical on an audio book. So if you imagine, you've heard it, but the people who have imagine narration, dialogue, character voices, sound design, full instrumental score, and songs, and all of that together. I mean, you're hearing a full musical. You should just say you're not seeing it on the stage.
1: I like it. I'm hearing it now. Here's another song, and this is actually out of Act Two, but. Uh, I think it moves the story forward and it's also a really catchy song to be
0: bound and I've given all I can and now I am drowning in her dreams and wants and mine pushed so far down I don't know who's inside I'm going out of my I've only known how it feels to prowl, and I've been a freak and so weak. I devour whatever she tells me so that she shines. I can master disguise, but I can't change my mind.
1: Now, at this point, uh, I often ask an artist, um, what is going on in her life to produce a song that questions her sanity? But I know in your case, it's not about your life. Uh, at least I don't think it is, is it?
3: No. In, in the musical <laughs> itself, <Doubt>, the parallel <laughs> Yes. Of, you know, I, I'm sure somewhere subconsciously. I think it's because, again, I I really enjoyed the whole process of writing. You know, it, I, what it is for me is it's expansion of – my comfort zone as an artist. And so each one of these stories kind of takes me to a different place. It challenges me. You know, it takes me out of my comfort zone. And so each time I do this, I'm learning, I'm growing as an artist, and that's what it's about for me. So I I got so excited, you know, by the whole process. Of researching mythology and magic, and conjuring the characters and conjuring the songs, working with my producer and you know collaborating on all the all of the music, working with the, the cast, even the illustrations which you've probably seen you know yeah. they're fantastic.
0: Yeah, they and are. So this
3: whole the process it, it's almost like an addiction. You know, people say going <laughs> into the recording studio is kind of like a drug. That's what this feels like for me. I've finally found a niche that I'm just really passionate about and i just you know it it drives me so whether the content is you know in wonder haven in this magical place i still feel like it's still rooted somehow you know in in everyday messages
1: but you know it occurs to me uh, um Lisa that magic is kind of a slippery concept. One person's magic and another person is another person's science and another person's work of the devil. Do you ever get complaints yes. from parents that you are filling young minds with imaginary fluff or has that space already been taken <laughs> by Harry Potter?
3: No, right now that is not a concern and and I hope it, you know, will not continue to be. What I what I am doing is hopefully helping and inspiring and entertaining kids. And, you know, reminding them that imaginative play is also something that's – the way I could describe it is in What Are Dreams Made Of? When I had the staged reading, the feedback that I got from the actors who were who were performing from WADMO is that they really enjoyed this opportunity to do something new. Um, they, a lot of them have templates for – the characters and the songs. So, you know, for example, if you're doing Footloose or Annie, right, it's something that you already know those characters. Well, I'm giving them an opportunity to get into, the, you know, the new characters. Nobody's done them before. So they got very empowered by bringing something to their characters. And one of them told me that they were inspired to actually write, you know, to, to as a playwright, to create something. So if I'm able to, you know, inspire and connect with teens and tweens through this work, that's that's what I'm seeking to do. It isn't so much about the content of magic or the content of dreams in my last album, you know. It's about inspiring teens.
1: Okay. Uh, now, let me just remind our audience: we are talking with Lisa Snyderman, uh, A.K.A. AED, about her new album. Do you believe in magic? And if you believe in magic, or even if you don't. Uh, you can talk with her. You can call in at 347-215-7411, or you can email us, as many of you are, at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Uh, Lisa, let's let, let go to some of these emails. Um, Rosie in Pittsburgh wants to know, do schools ever use your music and your musicals? So that is in the works. Um,
3: I'm still, you know on getting onto the scene, so to speak. I have three musicals written, and so I'm just now at that place where I'm creating the packages so that schools can use that. And I actually ended up working with San Carlos Children's Theater in 2014, which is about three schools that end up using you know, San Carlos as home base. So the answer is yes. That's, that's kind of how I did the first time with my stage reading for What Are Dreams Made Of? but I'm the one kind of pitching to the schools. And it means that I need to have, you know, digital tracks and and scripts and everything, you know, so I have to create the packages in order to have them available for schools. But that is definitely an area that I'm trying to get into.
1: Well, that leads actually to a question we got in from Lily in Los Angeles who wants to know, are there scripts available?
3: Yes. When you say, when she asked the question, when she, if, if I understand, um, it's, it's not something so I to my web. Yeah, I understand. It's not something on my website that's publicly available. But if there is a school interested in doing this musical, then yes, most definitely. You know, they just need to get in touch with me. And scripts are definitely available.
1: And they would do that through your website.
3: Yes, they could do that through my website. My contact information is there. They can go to DoYouBelieveInMagic.info, and click on contact. There's, you know, there's lots of ways. In fact, that is. Do you believe in Magic Guide Info? Is the main website that can give all kinds of information about the characters and the music, the press? You know, we've received the the musical itself, so it's a it's a great fun website to navigate.
1: Okay. All right. Michael in Tampa wants to know what's the appropriate age for your musicals.
3: So here's the funny thing. When I wrote it, I'm sorry. I was that's
1: Michelle, thinking- not Michael.
3: <laughs> okay, Michelle, thank you for asking. I intended this for more mature teens and tweens around 11 and up, but here's what's interesting. I just got endorsed by Kids First, and they are an entity that that reviews movies and and audio and different media for all ages of kids, and they endorsed it for ages 8 to 12. So, I actually, you know, I actually I think that the younger kids, as long as they, you know, are interested in Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Once Upon a Time, you know, those kind of things, Percy Jackson, they definitely would be able to relate to this material. It's just that it's an hour and 47 minutes. You know, so for me, I wasn't sure if an eight-year-old has that, kind of, you know, attention. Good, yeah.
1: Well, if it if it's a fascinating hour and 47 minutes, they, they will uh, pay attention to right. it. Right. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's Leslie... what I'm
3: finding. Is, sorry, go ahead.
1: Um we're going to, have to finish your statement.
3: Oh, well, I was just gonna say that that a lot of people say this is good car material. You know, for, for parents who want something right. to listen to in the car since it's just right. about two hours, it's perfect listening, you know, in the
1: car. You got it. Uh Leslie in Las Vegas wants to know if you ever perform live um and enact your stories on stage.
3: Yes, so the the irony of this I just did a staged reading in May of Do You Believe in Magic? And me personally, I actually wanted to get out of the artist role, and I cast somebody to play the lead, and it ended up that the lead got a concussion. And the morning of, I kid you not, (laughs) the performance, I got a call from her mom saying that she was unable to participate. So I got to... You know, jump in last minute because the show must go on and do the performance with my cast. So that was, you know, one place. And then, as I mentioned before, in 2014, we staged What Are Dreams Made Of? Um, I was not in it. I I got to direct, you know, and and be the playwright and musical director for 14 sixth 6th through 12th graders on stage. So that was was another example. And then What Are Dreams Made Of? also was staged in Ohio. And that also is an opportunity. You know, I wasn't part of that cast, but that was also stage wise
1: Okay. Well, that answers that question. Um Now, I I there's a I want to play a little bit of this, and I love the beat of this. This
0: time, it's The kingdom's in a trance. The kingdom's in a fog. We wake each day but can't say what we're doing here at all. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. The unthinkable has happened, Wonderhaven's going to fall, unthinkable. My wand is surely broken, and I can hardly fly. It's like the magic disappearing right, right before, before our, our eyes. eyes. I think I was in potions class. I
2: might have been in bed, when Zoro head
0: magician vanished. Is he dead? The kingdom's in a daydream, the kingdom's in a haze. Tell each other something but forget what we say. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. The unthinkable has happened when haven's going to fall. Unthinkable. Have you heard the latest? A gruesome i sight to see.
1: I just got an email from uh, Sandy Ten in Austin uh who says that song is a description of the GOP presidential primary and Donald Trump. But uh, We'll yep. let that one go. And instead, let's ask uh, ask you what's going on there. What exactly is unthinkable?
0: Ah,
3: So what it's describing is that the Wonderhaven town folk who are usually in a magical place. Wonderhaven is usually a charmed, you know, a charmed place and magic is usually working And this scene, everything is awry, and it's the town folk that are sort of crying out, explaining that their magic isn't working, and that they're really, you know, scared that the kingdom is going to fall, because there's going to be no more magic.
0: And that is basically
3: the fact that the curse has happened, and all of the, you know, the kingdom of Wonderhaven is under this malicious curse.
1: Um, do you uh, do you believe Magic Hesman has, has been adapted to a musical stage play? And, but to me, it seems like it's pretty well ready to go on stage out of the box. Uh, who adapted it? Did, did you do that work?
3: Yes. Uh, okay. So in the adapt, adaptation side is thinking about how something that you're doing on audio can translate to the stage, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my first example was with What Are Dreams Made Of? And the first thing, you know, that I had to think about was, hey, there's a narrator that ties all of this together seamlessly. Well, on stage, you're not going to want necessarily a narrator unless it's something like Into the Woods, you know, that was built in like that. But in this kind of a production, the narrator, I ended up taking and giving that to a different character called Spellbinder, you know, and letting him serve as the pseudo narrator or, you know, giving lines to different characters or to stage directions. That's one example.
1: All right. Um we've got a bunch of emailers uh, who have emailed in uh from LA and San Diego and New York and they're all asking the same question and that question is do you plan on a video production or a web series for this music?
3: I plan on all of those things. I'd like <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what order.
0: The and first thing can... that
3: I'd like to do is actually get more staged reading and full production. That's what I'd like to do first on the theatrical side. But I'm Uh also evaluating how this and even what Are dreams made of could be an animated kind of, you know, film production, Um, you know, something in that realm. Because I think that the illustrations are so rich and the world is so rich that I feel like it's begging for, you know, that kind of treatment. Whether that makes sense for musicals, you know what I mean? I don't see a lot of animated musicals, but it's something that we can, you know, definitely I want to test the
1: waters. Okay, we're going to play one more song here. I have time for it. So this is uh, The Chameleon. Don't go away. Here it is. This morning at Wonderhaven Castle, A.D. knocks on the door to Wonderworks, Zoroaster's workshop, and finds it ajar.
0: Hello? anyone there? It's A-80, Wonderhaven's muse of song. I have about as much business here in this place of magic as I do in the underworld. a feet
1: touch broken jars and vials. Ouch! What was that? This, and what's all this stuff on the floor? Right. It's like someone tore apart this place looking for something. In the corner, she spots a book with a tattered cover. Yet strangely... Something draws A-80 to the black figures 30. dancing on the front, and she picks it up.
2: Watch Red. Watch word. Ouch. Stop that. Put me down. Can't you hear? I said watch word. Hey, Spellbinder, looky
0: here. I,
1: I like that piece of music because it um, uh, and, and we're just about out of time, so uh, we won't be able to really get into it. But I like it because it shows that uh, uh, the narrator, as you pointed out, sort of moved things along. Um there's so many more things I'd like to, I'd love to talk to you about, Lisa, but we are <laughs> pretty much out of time. So very quickly, uh, where can people get their own copy of Do You Believe in Magic?
3: So on the physical copies, go to Do You Believe in Magic .info, and you can go to the music page, and right there you can you know you can purchase it direct from me. You can also purchase it on CD Baby. And for the digital, it's available on all the digital retailers. So iTunes, Amazon, those you know, those are the best places.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we're going to have you back on because there's a lot more things to talk about here uh, that we really just kind of scratched the surface. Uh, so you and I keep in touch, and and when there's a good time, maybe you've got uh, an, you've moved ahead with a, another stage reading, or you've got a production coming up, or something. Uh, would you mind coming back on the air and telling us about it?
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it would be my pleasure. And thank you, okay. thank your your readers, your sorry, listeners for calling in. <laughs> all thank right.
1: You. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Lisa Snyderman, a, uh, A.K.A. AED. The album is "Do You Believe in Magic," available on iTunes and CD Baby and all the other good places. And if you want to uh, follow uh, follow her and follow what's going on, go to aedmuse.com. dot com. That's a o e d e. Muse.com. Now, we're going to take a little break. And
3: do you believe in magic.info.
1: And do you believe in magic.info. I love that address. All right. We'll take a break. And when we come back, Gracie and Rachel, don't go away. You're going to really love this.
0: Our troops aren't the only ones fighting
3: right now. Thousands of military families are in crisis. They're fighting financial battles, how to pay the bills, even how to keep their homes and feed their children. You can help. By supporting Operation Homefront, a national nonprofit that provides emergency
0: assistance for military families and for wounded warriors when they come home. To learn more about how you can help, go to OperationHomefront.net.
1: And we're back. This is Patrick O. I'm your host here at Music Friday Live. And don't forget, we would like to hear from you. You can call us before 215 11 or you can email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. I'm going to give you a quick word from our sponsor, Solar City. Solar power is a huge win-win for homeowners, but, you know, a lot of people out there are reluctant to take the plunge into solar because of the upfront costs. Well, with Solar City, you can go solar for zero upfront costs. That is right, zero upfront cost on approved credit. Solar City will come out, they'll install a solar system on your home for free, and you only pay for the power that you use. You know, just like you do from the utility company, except you pay for a lot less of it because the sun's making it for you. Solar City pays for the system, it insures the system, and it maintains the system. All you have to do is just sit back and enjoy the savings. So, if you've been ready for solar, but solar hasn't been ready for you, it is now at solar City, America's number one clean energy provider. Now, how do you find out? Well, I'm going to give you a phone number. You knew I was going to give you a phone number, so you've got your pen and your pencil ready. 909-618-6937. That's 909-618-6937. And when you call... Tell them I sent you, and they'll give you a discount. Tell them Patrick sent you. Tell them Music Friday Live sent you. Whatever. Just tell them that you got sent by me, and they'll give you a live. And incidentally, they'll give you a, um, a discount. And incidentally, while you're thinking of solar, if you're in California, you may not know that the big utilities are trying to block solar by charging homeowners who put panels on their rooftops a fee designed to make your solar worthless. So go to www.saverooftopsolarca, that's www.saverooftopsolarca.com, and learn how you can tell the the, uh, Public Utilities Commission how to keep solar affordable. Okay, well, Gracie and Rachel struck me immediately when I saw their videos. I have never seen or heard anything like what they do. It's not just in the alt-pop world, but in the music world in general. Now they call themselves an orchestral pop piano-violin duo, and they craft intricate tunes, combining classical piano and strings with vocals and and really kind of sparse percussion. It's, it's amazing. The the results kind of you know turn your assumptions of pop music on its head. Now they've released their single "Tiptoe" and they're on a national tour now, including. Happily, a stop here in Los Angeles. Their forthcoming debut album, Go, is set for release next year. They've landed in L.A. Airport yesterday, and they're getting ready for a show this Sunday. But right now, they're here with us on Music Friday Live. Gracie and Rachel, welcome to Music Friday Live.
3: Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having us.
1: Well, first of all, each of you should say your name so our audience can tell who's who, because, you know, they can't see you. Gracie?
3: Uh-huh. That might be difficult. We sound somewhat similar, but uh, I'm Gracie. I'll try and talk a little lower.
1: Okay, and Rachel? Yeah, hi, I'm Rachel.
3: Okay, Rachel.
1: You, you sound uh, different enough so that uh, our audience can tell who's who. Now, I know there, you were. There's a test at- later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who
1: was that? Uh, <laughs> I continue. Um, I know you arrived last Thursday. So, how is LA treating you? Have you been here before?
3: LA great. Yeah, we um, we've been here a couple of times in the recent past. Uh, we played at the Echo on a on a national tour uh, just in September with a girl named Holly Miranda and uh, our drummer Garrett Eaton, who's also our producer, and he's based here. So, so we get to come out and you know try and you know spend some time, make some music out here with him and um but yeah we're really happy to be back we spend most of our time in new york so it's it's lovely to be be out here
1: and of course you you timed it so that you're out here in nice weather and when it's not great we in new brought york. the
3: rain I, we love the rain ah. and we brought a little bit of it so we're very proud of that
1: well well thank you we we, we really <laughs> do want to tell you how much we appreciate that well before we go any further uh, I, I want to give our audience uh, an example, a sample of what you two, of, of what you two do, because what you, what you do is uh, quite remarkable, and they really need to kind of understand it. So here is "Go," from your forthcoming album, I believe. We're going to play a little bit more of that later, but I, I think that gives our audience a, an idea of your music. Uh, now, Gracie, you're on the piano, is that correct? That's right. And Rachel, of course, on the violin. There's tension. There, there's dark and light. There's exploration. How did this music happen? How did you two come together and create it?
3: I mean, yeah, there's certainly tension in in our relationship too. We're, you know, we live together. We're um you know artists in New York so i think there's that fusion of you know living living together and making music that you know is is heated um emotionally but um yeah Rachel comes from a classical background as a violinist and i was originally classically trained as a pianist but but diverged um earlier on and Rachel sustained that much longer um as a string player so you know the, i think that we've we've talked about how we we kind of inform one another with you know structure versus freedom and and trying to kind of use both of those together to make something hopefully you know a little different
1: and, and um, how, how how did you, how did you meet
3: We met in high school. We both grew up in Berkeley, California. Um we actually met in a dance class and it's been kind of an ongoing joke that we were um formed kind of in an arranged marriage type of situation our instructor encouraged the musicians to collaborate on a piece, and we, of course, raised our hands and got together one afternoon after school. And as they say, the rest is kind of history.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs>
3: uh, high school sweethearts. <laughs> oh, high
1: school sweet. All right. Okay. Now, y- your your technical proficiency is exquisite, and you you said you you both had um, uh, music training. A- at what point? Did your piano training your classical piano training veer off into something else?
3: I think when I was about fourteen, I started when I was about seven and then um I started just kind of wanting to turn Bach pieces into my own thing and saying, I think I want to do that and um that wasn't super accepted by, you know, uh you know, certain trainings, but I had a teacher who really celebrated improvisation and, and composition. So um so I started to do that a little bit and bring lyric into into the scenario, and it was kind of a perfect time for me to meet Rachel when we were about 16 or 17, because I was, you know, doing that a little more and losing some of the form and structure, and I think Rachel, you know, has kept her classical training up. She still practices, you know, many hours a day um, her repertoire, so, you know, I think it was a a great time for, you know, us to kind of come together and, you know, have, have me help her maybe veer off the classical track and her keep me on it, so...
1: All right, and, and did, does she do that practicing in in your your apartment? So you have to listen to it all the time. Oh
3: yeah, yes, we do. Oh yeah, she has a mute if if need be. Okay, <laughs> a multiple, right.
1: mute. <laughs> a multiple, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I want right. to listen. Uh, I want to return to that song, go for for a minute, and let our audience hear how it how it evolves. Thanks. Now, much has been made of your union of dark and light and the black and white clothes, the counterpoint musical elements, and, and I think it's really on full display there. The whole feeling is kind of dark and mysterious, but the interplay between the piano and the violin and the voice, it really underscores your mixing of elements. Um now who is light and who is dark and do you ever switch roles? <laughs>
3: That's a great question um, Gracie I, am I, Gracie, am a, more of the light I'm an angel and she's a devil
0: Rachel, Rachel,
3: Rachel's the all black And I'm the all white um, But yeah, I think that you know we, we both try and bring dark elements To the table musically But uh, visually we, we try and kind of Play that yin and yang um, But we kind of do that naturally in our day-to-day lives too So it just makes sense to milk it a bit on stage <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, well, another union or, or tension I hear in your music, as you mentioned earlier, and it's structure versus freedom, sort of Mozart versus jazz. Uh, I can't say who is which, but I feel very strongly that that's going on there. Is this something you pay attention to in your songwriting, or does it just kind of flow naturally?
3: I think we absolutely pay attention to um, bending structures and um, elements of the classical um, foundation uh, specifically with my violin like I will write more from an etude perspective and I think Gracie will write more from a free jazz perspective except for she knows what she's doing and I don't
0: so that's that's different
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think Uh-oh. it is intentional
0: hopefully okay
1: or at least to us. Uh, I, I can I can sort of hear kind of in the background the conversations that go on in your apartment, but uh we'll we'll let that...
0: <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you have I... no idea.
1: They get crazy uh, a lot idea. of those
3: conversations. <laughs> sometimes uh, they're uh, arguments, think... sometimes they're they're whispers, they're just all over the place.
1: Uh, we're talking with uh, uh, the duo Gracie and Rachel, and you can talk with them. You can call in at 347-215-7511, or you can do what a whole lot of you are starting to do, and that send us emails. The The email address is musicfridaylive at com. And since people are sending emails, why don't I uh, get to them? Because we just kind of got into it a little bit. Um, this is from um, Cindy in San Diego, and she wants to know, do you ever get into arguments while you're writing songs?
3: Oh yeah, Cindy. I think actually songs. So, How oh Cindy, you have no idea. No, I think that um, actually songs are the times that we argue the least because we we really kind of have a unionship on understanding where we want to go with an idea, and it's kind of a beautiful. It's the thing I think that keeps us together, um, and and you have to trust your musical partner and listen to what they want and and what they have to say. So, Well we certainly get into arguments in the house all the time. Um, but that's kind of, I think, what keeps it hopefully interesting and fuels us to get back to the piano. And, you know, if we were happy all the time, I don't know how much we would write.
1: Well, it, it, if you were happy all the time, it wouldn't be the same music.
3: Correct. No, mm-hmm. no, certainly not. But
1: <laughs> at least I don't think good so. <laughs> it's uh, like let's a sisterhood,
3: see. you know, sisters
1: argue. Well, not ever having <laughs> been a sister. I, I I have no experience in that area. Um, <laughs> San Sandy Sally in New York uh, wants to know, when you get back to New York, do you have any live uh, performances planned?
3: Yeah, we have a tentative live show at the Manhattan Inn in Greenpoint on January 7th. It's going to be a nice evening of um, music highlighting female musicians. So Yeah, we'll be playing with our friend Holly Miranda, who we just did a tour with, um- so it'll be a fun, girl, a great artist girls' night of music.
1: Yay! We've been a lot of those. I just went to one at, at uh, the BMI showcase, uh, at, oh, over at I the, uh, the the Gibson. I don't know if you've ever been to the Gibson Guitar Center in Beverly Hills. They had a whole evening of uh, of Latinas, and it was a Fabulous really fun, evening. yeah, really fun evening. Um, I've got uh, Selena Forty Five in Austin is emailing in again for the second time. Hi, Selena. I'm glad to see you're 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 sticking with us. Um, she wants she wants to know uh or she or what she says is don't forget us in the flyover states. Um we have we oh. have great venues here for you too, particularly in Austin. So
3: Absolutely. We're we're actually we're trying to get out to south by southwest in March. Um and, and so there'll be a nice string of dates up to that. So leading over um from you know west to east and we definitely don't want to forget about those. So I appreciate the the reminder. I, but um, I I Rachel also went to school in Indiana and have a a fond appreciation for all those middle states. So don't you worry.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we just got another email from one of those states. This is Roscoe in St. Louis, and the and Roscoe says, while you're not flying over, remember we have great theater here in St. Louis too. In fact, you should check out the pageant. It's perfect for your music.
3: Oh yeah. Okay. That is a great venue.
1: Oh, very so you know it. A lot
3: of family family. I do know that. Venue.
1: Okay, all right. It's a great venue. Well, well, thank you. Uh, thank you. And it, it would be awesome.
3: a privilege to pay the, play that. Yeah, you just hook us up.
1: We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll play. You just you just <laughs> okay. let us
3: know, and we'll be there.
1: Uh, Roger in Los Angeles wants to know: Do you ever dance uh, to your music, or do you ever have dancers with you?
3: <laughs> we can't tell you that. That would just be embarrassing.
1: <laughs> or just
3: come to a show and see if we got some backup dance. I wish. I think. I think the future of projections will hopefully be in our music. We love, you know, incorporating imagery into the live show as much as we can. Um, but I don't know, dancers would be cool. I always wish that I could dance while playing, but I've got this big keyboard in front of me while playing, so it's not so easy. Well, mm-hmm. But we definitely incorporate dance heavily into our music videos.
1: So. We've got
3: some music videos out out now um, made by Sam Marjovicus and Michael McCulkin and Cool Burns uh, just produced a new video for our single Tiptoe that was uh, produced by our producer Garrett Eaton so those are all out you can find them online and we've got some some dancing going on
1: five well,
2: truly,
1: well speaking <laughs> of your new single uh, Tiptoe uh, why don't we uh, listen to a little bit of it this is your new single Tiptoe
3: yes okay. thank you
1: Single tiptoe, I love it. I was listening to it all day yesterday, and it's now on the top of my uh, iPod playlist. It's also oh. the closest to what I would call indie pop or out, out pop, if I had to categorize you, which I won't. Uh, it's it's <laughs> also a, a song in which the drum plays a much stronger role. Now, you mentioned your drummer yeah. earlier is also your your producer. Mm -hmm. What is the influence of the drum on your music? Do you write for string and piano and then bring in the drum, or does all three happen together?
3: You know, it's funny. When we first started recording this album with Garrett Garrett Eaton, his producer, he just had a kick drum in his car that he didn't want to leave in the car while we were recording in our loft space in Brooklyn. And we weren't really sure if we were going to add percussion to the album at that point, um, maybe just more synthy, textural stuff. But uh, he brought that up just because he didn't want to leave it in the car, and it just became kind of a happy accident on the on the album that we really heavily incorporated as just this kind of um, bassy, low, you know, gr- grit, I think, of the, uh, you know, symphonic aspects of the album, Um kind of like a timpani is, is kind of the goal for that sound not to be a full drum kit, but to be a more you know ethereal under underbelly so um it was a happy active and now it's become an integral part of our live set. we just play with one kick drum and um you know we we try and get it to feel as full as possible do, yeah do i think you? that it does go ahead sorry go, just go, go ahead no i'm gonna say i think it does draw a little bit of intrigue to just have one huge drum on the stage, people are a little bit curious how this is going to um, play a role. And we do mic it heavily, so it has a very bold, percussive sound, um, and we're very shocking with it right now.
0: <laughs> <You>
1: <laughs> it's an easier way I, to
3: travel as well. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I like that. Uh, a, an awful lot of uh, drummers rely pretty much on the snare, which yeah. is high-pitched and mm-hmm. which often is at the same pitch as a female vocal, and it makes it difficult to huh. hear female vocals. And yeah, people that's... like people like me uh, who also review music, and we go to a lot of concerts, uh, we wear what are called um, SEEDS, um, concert ear enhancement devices, that are like earphones except you can control them so you can actually control c- remove the snare drum so you can actually hear what the woman is singing. Uh, and I'm right. really glad to see that you've understood the, the role of the deeper levels of the drum. Um, yeah,
2: so cool. thank you
1: very much. Every music critic well, in the thank country, thank you. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have an, uh, so we're still getting emails in, and this is from Richard in New York. And Richard says, I love you live. Uh, the bigger hall, the better. I'll see you when you get back. So how big is the hall you're going to be playing in when you get back?
3: Um, it's pretty small, actually. It's not even really a hall. It's more of a, um, it's a kind of like a jazz venue where there's cabaret tables and it's a long bar hallway entrance. And then the back room is, um, it's actually a circular seating. So we are surrounded by the audience and we oh, are wow. in the center of the room. Um, wow. But the acoustics I, are fantastic and a lot of, as I said, a lot of jazz goes through there,
0: and um, yeah, it'll but
3: we'll, be in, we'll a great if he wants to, you know, bring us to the big hall, we'll be there too.
1: Well, you've actually played I'm in sure. some big halls, haven't you?
3: Um, where have we played? We've played, We've played some halls, yeah, in the on, in the northeast uh, Guthrie Center is a beautiful hall, um, but yeah, we love we love playing in 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 halls that you know, adhere to you know, natural acoustics and big reverb and. All that,
1: yeah. so. Uh, and you played Thanks, in Richard. Rockwood. You played at Rockwood, too, didn't you?
3: Yeah, we played yeah. at Rockwood, yeah. They have a lovely little downstairs um, area with a grand piano that we really, really like. La posse Which, Rouge uh, was a great hall for us
0: in the city.
1: Aha, uh-huh. okay. La well, posse why don't Why don't you remind Richard and everybody else where you're going to be when you get back and then give us that date and location again?
3: We'll be at Manhattan Inn on January 7th. Playing with Holly Miranda.
1: Okay, Richard, uh, and bring all of your friends. Please okay? do <laughs>
0: come
1: say hello. Yeah, and, and come say hello to them too. Well, we got some more of your music here, which I uh, do want to play. This is uncomfortable, which actually makes me very.
0: Comfortable. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know why you called it uncomfortable because it is such a beautiful interweaving of the piano and the voice and the violin. It, it you play that not like you're a duo, but like you're a single being. Um, mm. it, it's really, cool. it's really remarkable. Uh, now that's a recording. How, how does that sound? How do you do that live, or do you do it live?
3: Absolutely, we perform that live, and it sounds pretty much the same.
0: We hope. We, we don't know.
3: We, hope. we feel like it does in our in our heads, but um, yeah. I mean, we we perform it. Um, that's like we we recorded that on a on a acoustic grand um with Garrett actually before we recorded the rest of the album. So, um, that that uh that was our most I think our simplest piece, and we didn't really want to do too much to it when we went in and kind of were remixing and uh, the album. So, um, yeah. It's a I mean, it's a song about being you know uncomfortable being too comfortable so you know kind of fusing those two things which i think rachel and i were experiencing when we were living in in berkeley and uh in california before we moved out to new york after graduating and we kind of were living at home and going this is too comfortable it's uncomfortable how comfortable this is let's get (laughs) out of here let's go be uncomfortable in new york and we'll write better music that way
1: well, of course, that's a foreign concept in Southern California, but uh, we'll let that go. Um, we're all, we're getting a little tight on time here, but there was a, a a number of people have emailed a question that I want to ask you anyway, and that is, uh, do you teach each other?
0: Teach yeah. each other?
1: Yeah, yeah you teach I each other
0: each
3: other all the time. Okay, um, we'll definitely send each other little videos and of of themes or motives that we personally feel um, inspired by and um, we'll teach it to the other and then have the other expand on it um, and (laughs) vary it. Yeah, I think like when one of us has like a musical idea that we're really excited about, or you know, we just don't know exactly where we want it to go. It's kind of the, it's a really lovely thing to be able to bring like a half-finished idea to the other person and say, okay, you either take this somewhere or reject it altogether. But I don't know what else you know to do. And so there's that constantly um, informing you know thing going on between us that
1: we try to to keep uh, alive. Well, uh, it, it shows. It's really wonderful. Unfortunately, we are officially now out of time. Uh, I, I can hear right. the alarm clock going off in, in the background there. So <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking the time to call in today. Of yes,
3: course. thank you thank so much you for having us.
1: And uh, I want to remind our, our listeners, that my, my L.A. listeners, that you are going to be at the Federal Bar this Sunday uh, for the, part of the Mimosa Series, 11 a.m. Uh, you can catch them. That's uh, at... Um, It's on Lancashire in NoHo. you get to the Federal Bar. It's upstairs from the restaurant. The entrance is around to the side. It's going to be a wonderful concert. Thank you so much, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing you this Sunday. Thank Thank
3: you you so much. We'll see
1: you then. Talk soon. You've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from Cyber Station USA, Blog Talk Radio, and our radio affiliates, like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds, and you'll get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bardleman. Our intern is Angeline Serrano, who's about to take off her Christmas vacation, so have a great time, Angeline. You can download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com. You can download them as a podcast, and don't forget, if you do listen to a podcast and you have questions, please email those questions to us, and we'll forward them on to Fans. Be here next Friday. Our guest will be blues man Hamish Anderson. And and we are working on a big surprise. Can not tell you right now? Check our Twitter stream and our Facebook page. We'll update you on the guests. But this could be a lot of fun. Good night, everybody. Have a great musical weekend. And uh, we're going to leave you with a little bit of music here. This is Perfect Day by A.B.